Hello and welcome to Do the Franchise Spooky Halloween Special 2002 with me, James. J- I, I just said with me, James. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? I don't know anymore. <laughs> You've got to introduce yourself as Jake now. I've screwed uh, it up. Uh, yeah, and me, Jake. Yeah, um, there you go. Well, well, welcome to Do the Franchise. We don't know what's going on or who we are, but we like scary films and, and we're going to do this Halloween special, so help us. <laughs> this, this Halloween special has already started off in a rather scary way because I now have yeah. had a complete personality change. I've also got a small creature gnawing at the leg of my chair and the hordes coming down from the heavens outside. <laughs> <laughs> Things are all getting very spooky out there. It really is. I mean, it couldn't be a better night to do a Halloween special. Well, it, it, I mean, there's nothing more scary than what's going on in the UK at the moment. Everything's gone to pot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we did it, the last Halloween special we did in 2020, which was really COVID central. But we managed to survive COVID and we're all here. So it's, it's okay. We're all right. Um, yeah. We'll do this. Uh, we'll, we've got a few films to talk about in this episode. James and I discussed this, didn't we? Like, we wanted to do something a bit different, but also do a kind of film that we thought of highly or a highly regarded film in the case of horror films that have won or it's at least exceeded in award ceremonies been nominated or won academy awards or baftas so that was the kind of premise we're going at with this today we're going to have one film each that has won an award of some description a good yes. award. A good, a good award. No, <laughs> and, not, not uh, a bad award. Not like a golden raspberry or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, we're going to talk about a film that we think should have got some kind of award, but never did. And it's like a favourite of ours that we think deserves more, what would you say, sort of more uh, of an accolade or more acknowledgement than, than, it, than it got. Yeah, I think it's fair to say... A lot of the award ceremonies tend to shy away from horror films. Mm. Uh, they it used to be that, and still is in a way that like superhero films never really got much of a recognition, um, and uh, horror films just never really have. But there are some really great ones out there that probably should have. Yeah, I have a feeling because I remember. I mean, I don't know which ones you've chosen because you're going to surprise me in a minute, which is great for the listeners and and for me because I get yeah. to be surprised in the same way as the listeners, but. I remember you coming up with one a couple of years ago, which we'll talk about later, that I went and watched afterwards. And again, one of those few horror films that sticks in your mind, but also one of those few horror films where you're like, oh, that's really cool. That's a different idea. I've never thought of that one before. Uh, Anyway, I digress. (laughs) James, do you want to go first and give me and the listeners your pick for best horror film that you think, you know, the best horror film that's won an Academy Award or a BAFTA uh, of some description and tell me why you chose it. Okay, yes. Yeah. So I, um, there, there, there are a, a school of people who mm. um, probably would, would admit to thinking that maybe pre-rehab Robert Downey Jr. is the best version of Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, th- this is post-rehab Robert Downey Jr., but it- it's also kind of the um, the beginnings of, uh, I-, I don't know, horror, thriller-type films. Uh, during the pandemic, people really got into true crime. Uh, mm. This was sort of pre-that, but it's a, it's true crime. I'm going with the Zodiac or Zodiac. Um, oh, Okay. Which- which yeah. is kind of like a horror slasher film, but it's based on someone who is very much a real serial killer in the 
San Francisco Bay Area uh, during the late 60s, early 70s, who was never caught. Yes, so, I know this one well. So this is, that's why it's scary for me. I, I don't often find like gory films scary, but yeah. I do find like films that get under your skin scary. Yeah. And this one really does. Um, and it, it didn't win any Academy Awards in terms of like the Oscars or the BAFTAs, but it did win a Palme d'Or at Cannes. Okay. So I, I figure it, it, it just sneaks in there as a, mm. an award-winning film, because Cannes Film Festival is still a pretty big deal, um, and it, it, it won a, a golden palm there. So I well, thought, I genuinely am baffled that that didn't win a more prestigious award than that. I, I didn't know that. I was just looking at it now. It's about Robert Graysmith, isn't it? The uh, guy who wrote a book about Zodiac from the perspective of a... He was working at the newspaper at the time that it was yeah. all going on. Uh, it's a film by David Fincher, I believe. Um, yeah, really yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great film, really worth watching. I, obviously, the 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 story of the Zodiac Killer is quite well known now, primarily because everyone got into true crime. But yeah. at the time, I don't think people were into it as much, and uh, so it was quite a risky film. Uh, it grossed uh, eighty four point seven million dollars worldwide. Uh, oh. On a budget of $65 million, which for what is essentially like a crime procedural film, $65 million seems quite a lot. There aren't that many special effects in this film that yeah. weren't that massive budget. So I think it probably went over and above what it was meant to be budget-wise and it didn't really get a lot of that back. Um, but it's one of those films that in later life, you know, on streaming services, on uh, physical releases. Hmm. It's it's become something of a cult classic. Apparently, uh, the BBC voted it the 12th greatest film of the 21st century in <laughs> 2016. That. Yeah, so, that's good. Uh, so, yeah, so it, it's it's a great film. Uh, it's got uh, Gyllenhaal and Robert Downey Jr. in it, and they play off a bit one another really well. Genuinely did not know you were going to say this film, so I'm reacting to this completely like anyone listening to this podcast. I really like this film. I think um, The Zodiac is one of Fincher's better films because it, it has the Fincher grime and darkness to it. Yeah. It has something of Seven to it. But yeah. it's not as fantastical as Seven. And, and Seven, and what I mean by that, it's probably the wrong word. What I mean by that is in Seven, it's very much a film noir thriller killer. Uh, it's very sick. It's very depressing. And the um, I'd say Seven is more like a Silence of the Lambs in terms of, oh, wow, the shock value. You know what I mean? All the things you see. Whereas this film, yeah. uh, Zodiac, is much more grounded. It's a bit of a slow burner at the start. But yeah. you feel in it that you go, well, this must have happened because this was a true story. And then you read more about it and a lot of it did happen. And, and the way that the police, they had it pinned on a guy and they knew it was that guy. Um, they were like 99% sure it was this guy. They'd got all their case and then something came up, doesn't it, at the end? And then they realized that what that couldn't have been the guy. Yeah. Um, and then years later, someone says oh, no, that probably was the guy because of X, Y, and Z. And then even later than that, I think even up until like two or three years ago, um, they found more evidence regarding Zodiac, and it is now a different person. that they, they The person that it's been highly thought of to be the bloke for 20 or 30 years, it's now definitely not him. Uh, so he yeah. was sort of exonerated after his death, which is odd, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, the actual story that expands, obviously, beyond the film, because you 
make a film, it's out, and it becomes dated, kind of, mm. it, when you're talking about real-life events. Yeah, the story behind the Zodiac Killer is is one of many, many twists and turns. And, um, yeah, it's it's really... It, the, the, the film um, doesn't try and answer any questions, which I think is really quite mm. a brave thing to do because some films try and present, like, a complete story, and obviously they yeah. can't do that with, with this story. Um, uh, yeah, I, I really like the film. It was... Um, I think it was one of my favourite Robert Downey Jr. films prior to him, his career sort of escalating the way it did uh, yeah. with uh, with Marvel and such. But yeah, I think it was a a, a brave film because it it didn't have a complete story to tell. It obviously they spent a lot of money on it. It mm. took um took a, a lot of time for it to regain some of its uh, sort of place in people's mind. Uh, uh, but it it did win an award, so it's technically one of those rare award-winning yeah. horror films. Um, and uh, th- there's, there's um, I-, I think the things it did have been copied somewhat in other films as well. So yeah, um, or, or certainly the things that um, make it creepy. Like I, I believe uh, a lot of the Riddler uh, concept in the new Batman film was influenced by not necessarily the Zodiac film, but the Zodiac killer. Yeah, I mean, uh, James says, James says, I believe, because he hasn't seen the Batman yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not seeing it. I, I, I keep telling you he needs to come around and watch it on my big telly. <laughs> I oh, will, really I will good. at some point. But from my understanding, it is uh, a big influence on... Uh, yeah. On the way it, they, it is, they deal yeah. with that. He even has the little... Um, so, in, again, people who haven't watched this film or the Batman won't understand this, but he wears a uh, face mask with goggles that covers his entire face and a wet and a sort of dry, a white, a, 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 a sort of dry wipe suit. And yeah. it's got a big um, question mark, a, a Riddler question mark, and it's also got the um, Zodiac sign, you know, the, um, the, the the target symbol with the plus yeah. sign. So that's a hevel. It, it's very much, if you watch the new Batman film, the parallels are absolutely uncanny to stuff that happens in the Zodiac film that James has just mentioned. But yeah, I think, again, it's, it's one of those films where I think I first watched it after it had come out. My best friend Mark gave me... Uh, for, he used to do these fun gifts when we were, you know, uh, younger and at uni and stuff. And he sent me a uh, a package, which was basically a bunch of Robert Downey Jr. films that he says everyone must see. And it was like eight films. I think he gave me Chaplin in there, which is... I love that film anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, there's another one. Again, I'm, I'm, I can't remember them all. But there was... Uh, in that package of films was Zodiac. And I, oh, I've heard of this, but I've never seen it. What's it about? And Mark's like, just watch it. Don't think about it too much. Just go and watch it. And I'd say that to anybody. Oh, what yeah. is it? Is it about a famous killer? Don't worry about the famous killer. Don't don't Google it. Don't go the podcast route. Just watch the film. See if you'd like it as a film. And I'd say that, like you said, because of true crime, and because of the overexposure to true crime, whether it be podcasts or Netflix series, I feel like it's been done to death. And actually, Zodiac was one of the first to really do it in that style. And, and yeah. it feels very fresh. And I think if you go back and watch it now, it, it still does feel fresh. And it's got that, like you say, intrigue where it's open-ended. So it kind of leaves the interpretation of who did kill all those people. What do you think? And it gives it to the audience in a way that it almost packages up all the evidence for you. Um, yeah. It's good. I like that about it, though. It's really cleverly done. And Holes great. 
Yeah, do you know, it was great. And it was the year before Robert Downey Jr. did Iron Man. So it was the year before yeah. he had his his real his career sort of, renaissance. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's it's just ideal. It's a great film to watch, uh, especially that. this time of year. So yeah, that was my my first pick. Jake, That's a really good you... pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm getting... it, it was better than what I prepped you with. So yeah, I'm glad I was able to surprise you. <laughs> I have gone down the route of a very classic um, 1981 horror film that I always go back to because I think I watched it very young, which is mm. never good when you're. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those where it's, <laughs> yeah, I always say that to you. I always say this. Like, I said to James, I watched Predator when I was about 11, and and then me and James had this conversation, didn't we, about the fact that like Predator and Alien toys were marketed towards kids when we were growing up, and yeah. when we grew up, we realised they were 18 rated films <laughs> it made no sense why they were making kids toys and action figures of these things um so you know my pick is a, a 1981 john landis film american werewolf in london Ooh. oh i think one. it's classic horror it's got all the archetypes of a halloween like film so i think like there's only one time of year you're gonna watch this and yeah. it's halloween do you know what i mean and that's why yeah. i chose it um I've always liked it, and the more I've watched it, the more I've read about it um, over the years, the more I like it. There are so many things in it that you can dissect, um, but ultimately, um, I'm choosing it for the podcast because it won an Academy Award uh, for yeah. Best Makeup and cl- um, Practical Effects. Uh, it won this in 1981. It won a Saturn Award. It was the first ever hor- uh, first ever horror film to win an Academy Award for Makeup and Effects. Nice, um, and it has since become a cult classic, even with its sequel follow-up, American Werewolf in Paris, released in 1997, which was not quite as good. But mm. uh, it was it was made on a 5.8 million dollar budget in '81, very cheap to produce, and yeah. it grossed over 62 million dollars um, in its opening weekend. And I just think, wow, what a success! And it's just a really cool film, James. I mean, you you. It can't be overstated that your film cost ten times less than my film, mm. and your film made people look like a werewolf. And my, and film, my film won an Academy Award. Actually, got it in the bag. <laughs> That's great. I mean, yeah. I'm wondering now how much of the film's my film's budget was based on like ensuring Robert Downey Jr. turned up to set. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yeah, so we don't want to talk about. So, we might be libelous for that. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Where's Robert? He's in the neighbour's bed again. (laughs) Definitely (laughs) libelous for that. He definitely, definitely struggled to get parts, though, because people were he he might not show up. Bless him. But he got that all sorted with rehab, so he's he's all good now. He did. Do you know what I'm finding really weird about everything we do? And this is, again, it's, it's one of those things with the film industry at large. So... You mentioned, like, we just did a, um, last, you know, last year we just did all of the, the Lethal Weapon films, and um, we were having really hard-to-navigate conversations about Mel Gibson. Yeah. And then we are having hard-to-navigate conversations about Robert Downey Jr. Um, yeah. And Mel Gibson helped Robert Downey Jr. go through rehab, which is, yeah. again, really odd. And then it's yeah. like... 
Do you know what I mean? Like they're all linked, aren't they, in a weird way? And then it's like I, his career I, renaissance led to that. And then Robert was in a film with Mark Ruffalo, and then Mark Ruffalo and Robert were really good friends because they started doing Marvel films together. It's like what? <laughs> it's 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 a lovely sort of dysfunctional family they've got going on mm. over there in Hollywood, isn't it? It, it you know mm. everyone's linked, everyone knows everyone's business, and everyone seems for the most part to help each other. You know, yeah, we, we, once you build those relationships, they seem to last. A career, don't they? So I mean, yeah, and I'm talking about a John Landis film, and he's you know had I mean loads of different films like Three Amigos, Trading Places, Blues Brothers, uh, Animal House. It all comes from this great mind, um, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop Three as well, and. Yeah. Then we sort of, you know what I mean, Landis is tied up with loads of things, including, which I noticed was interesting, we talked about last uh, year, well, not last year, the year before. Um, I did Ghostbusters as one of my favourite films and one of my favourite Halloween films. It still is, but we're not going to do it again because that would be boring. But I did yeah. notice the parallels that Landis had worked with people from Ghostbusters, including Dan Aykroyd. He also had Elmer Bernstein do the music for um, Werewolf, an American Werewolf um yeah, Albert Bernstein's the man that did all the music for Ghostbusters. So it's that weird parallel, again, of people borrowing people from other films and they're all kind of drawn together and I, I just think it's cool. But um, for anyone that's not seen American Werewolf, it's about two American boys on the Yorkshire Moors and guess who they come across, James? Oh, who do they come across, Jake? They only meet Brian Bloody Glover. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Brian Glover, of course, we talked about in Alien 3, which is a film we've just reviewed recently. <clears throat> but yeah, and obviously they come across a werewolf as well. Well, yeah. But we'll go yeah. about that later. And um, um, David Kessler is the main character. His best friend dies and then uh, something happens to him. He starts to change. And I think he's kind of haunted by the spirit of his best friend. But it's really funny in a weird, macabre sort of way. Um, I watched this film when I was very little and I even think I think my mum and dad would have known that I was watching it and it was one of those things where they were like ah, it's only a silly werewolf film and there's a bit yeah. where he's talking to the dead friend in like a dream state and it's all these people that the werewolf has killed come back to haunt him don't they and yeah it's really odd, and I really I didn't like it when I was a kid. I thought it was really scary. I didn't like the corpse friend and all the weird makeup effects. Yeah, um, I think so. It had a profound effect on me as a kid. I think it does, and it, it, probably less so now because people are kind of you know used to seeing special effects. But mm. I remember the first time I saw it, and just the the initial transformation scene. It's yeah. something that's been copied in loads of films. You know, loads of films that do werewolf transformations mm-hmm. copy. You know, the elongation of the the palms bit is, yeah, is the bit wicked, that always gets me. You know, where the the hand basically stretches out to become like a, a claw paw sort of thing. Yeah, it's freaky. Um, if you go on the IMDb page, you can see like set photos and things like that mid mid transformation. <laughs> yeah. So he looks human, but he's got the the wolf paws. It's yeah. kind of weird. Um, yeah, it's it, special effects. You can see why it won an award for them because the special effects are astounding. For especially for the time, for the budget, if you put all that into consideration, that it's brilliant, and it, you can see why it got copied over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking back to like the the underworld films, even yeah. uh, did did very similar werewolf transitions, and uh, yeah, a, a real original in terms of the the film industry, I think. 
It is, and I think body horror is always one of those things we go back to in a lot of horror films within the genre. Um, <clears throat> and I think... I don't know, it's just werewolf has been done so many times. Me and you talked about a lot of our favourite werewolf films not that long ago, and, and I do mm. always go back to that genre because I find it really fascinating. Um, we've As humans, we've been fascinated by this idea of lycanthropy and werewolves for, for hundreds of years, and, it, and it's like we still go back to that every time. There's always like a new Halloween thing, and I don't know, I felt like the more CGI they get and the more rushed through production you see werewolf films they get less and less scary and more and more uh, boring and generic but there's something really interesting about american werewolf in london and i'd say if you haven't seen it uh it's a big film it won an academy award it's our cheap horror film but it will not disappoint you on halloween it's great it's good fun i think it's great so that's that was my choice that was and, that was it <laughs> and it, and it's oddly kid friend friendly because i've yeah. just been looking at the cast did you realise that Frank Oz gets a credit in the cast? Yeah, he Miss, he's, yeah, I saw that. He's earlier. Miss Piggy because there's some archive footage of, of Miss Piggy and and Kermit the Frog. So Jim Henson and Frank Oz are both credited in this film. I, ironically, I can't see a credit for Brian Glover, but he's definitely in the film at the bar at the beginning. Yeah, hmm, yeah, he's, he's definitely there. Yeah. Um, what are you all doing round here? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're on the Yorkshire Moors, I think, at the beginning, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and do you know who is the second chess player? No, go on. Rick Mayle. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's uh, so um, Brian Glover is credited as chess player and Rick Mayle gets credit as second chess player. Why can't I see this on my list? I've not got this anywhere. I'm I've just brought all over IMDb for it and thingy. Let me go and have a look. I've uh, just brought is... up the the full uh, the full cast. This is like the worst production we've ever done in terms of what you're doing. We're literally googling during the live broadcast. This is this is great. <laughs> we're recording. recommending you go and watch this film while we're <laughs> discovering trivia about it. Yeah, yeah, that's what you got to do. Well, there's a new one that's just come out on Disney Plus called Werewolf by Night. Apparently, it's produced by Marvel and that's received very good reviews so far. Um, and I will be watching that this Halloween as well so that's worth it if you lot fancy a werewolf flick and you can't get access to American Werewolf in London on your streaming platforms I believe it's on um, Amazon Prime (laughs) 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 but they did not pay me to tell you that no if only so so, so literally I went to IMDB and looked at the forecast and obviously written and uh, directed by John Landis Mm -hmm. and then as you go down yeah there they are yeah uh, I can see them yeah Rick Mill that's great um, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Rick Mail, so it's nice to see him in a in a film. Jim Henson um, and Frank Oz have both got, a yeah, character, including that's crazy. Brian Glover and Rick Mail, yeah, that's wicked. Oh, and yeah. David Schofield, he's the other dart player in the pub. He's a famous yeah. um, British actor as well. Yeah, love it. It's such a cool film. Um, I just think you should go and watch it. So, James, because we don't want to run out of time, we need to get yeah. through it. What was your Honourable, well, actually, I'd say honourable mention. You can give me honourable mentions, or you can yeah. go straight in with your um, film that shoulda, woulda, coulda won Academy Let, Award. Let's go shoulda, woulda, coulda, because it's okay. kind of related to your film. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has been an honourable mention in previous Halloween episodes we've done, uh, but I think it needed a bit more time, a bit more air, sort of air to, to breathe, and that is Dog Soldiers. Ah, oh, okay, it's another werewolf film. Yeah. So and I I like I oh, I love this film. 
I love this film so much. This film, uh, again, was a film I probably watched uh, when I was younger and yeah. it had a real visceral impact on me because prior to... Uh, well, we I watched this film at a friend's house mm-hmm. and I was due to go on holiday in Scotland with this friend. <laughs> <laughs> and... When we see the, it, it, the, a certain bit of the the film, my friend turned to me and says, that's exactly what my dad's house is like in Scotland. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I, was, I was terrified <laughs> of this holiday <laughs> from watching Dog Soldiers. Uh, so uh, Dog Soldiers is basically about a British squad sent in on a training mission in the Highlands of Scotland against special uh, special operations squad um and they start telling like campfire stories about the area and uh, predictably everything goes wrong mm. and the <clears throat> the special ops squad are, are found by these guys on tra- on the training mission but they've been completely eviscerated by something or someone they don't know what's happened and uh, it turns out that the stories about the wolf man of the area are not only true, but maybe under eggs slightly, because there's a whole family of werewolves that live in this valley. And uh, so with two injured squaddies, this group of people have to try and outlive this family of werewolves. And thankfully, they find a really nice house to go and rest up in. It turns out, spoiler, to be the house where the werewolves live. Uh, so so where, they're, where they're sheltering from these werewolves, the werewolves are trying to come home, and and there's even more plot twists after that. So that isn't even a spoiler for the film. That's great. It, get, it gets even more twisted, and I love it. It is... I, obviously, I mentioned, you know, uh, I have a fondness for Robert Downey Jr. films. This film gave me a real fondness for Sean Pertwee. Yeah, he's great. He's, Fantastic in this film. I am. Um, yeah, he's go on. Great. Sorry. No, he is, no, it's wicked. I, I just found. I wanted to show you, share this with you while we were talking about dog soldiers. So I found the classic dog uh, dog soldiers poster, and um, <laughs> it's got two lines on it that I really enjoyed. Uh, the first one is dog soldiers, six men, full moon, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is a quote and I don't know who it's from I think it might be FHM and it says this is a bitch of a werewolf movie <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed that I thought I'd share that oh, with you that is I, I think though that is that's what makes this film great it, it had a really long sort of gestation period you know, apparently uh, the director pitched this film back in 95 whoa so it, it was it, in production and various talks throughout throughout a decade, basically. And um, I think what hampered its ability to win any awards was in the US, it premiered as a sci-fi channel exclusive, which seems like such a shame. Oh, I know, so they, they literally killed it. <clears throat> yeah, they it literally... It, putting it on as a straight-to-TV movie on the sci-fi channel... This film, I reckon this film could have done a lot better. Mm. Uh, especially, because as, I think it did quite well in the UK. I, I remember a lot of people talking about it. A lot of yeah, people I, watched I it know, when I was in college. Now, mm. Yeah, uh, recognise it as a, as a great film. And I, 
referencing your werewolf film, I think this film took a lot of influence from that in terms of, you know, how how do you make that werewolf as creepy as possible? And I think it's because for most of the film, you don't see a lot of the wolf. Uh, you know, you, you see faces and things like that. Yeah. But there's a certain point in the film where you see the wolf standing on two legs and it is creepy because every, all its bodily proportions are slightly out. Everything's elongated and it's got that... Uh, I'm trying to think of you know when we, did you ever go and see one of those like shadow puppet shows as as a kid yeah, where they they yeah. they uh, they back illuminate these these silhouetted puppets? It has that creepy vibe to it because yeah. the legs are long, the arms are long, everything's wrong about it, but it sort of makes sense in this monster that you're seeing and it towers over the humans and yeah. So as much as there are like funny gags in this film and it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It takes the horror bit very seriously. Mm. Uh, and it's got loads of uh, homages to like the evil dead. Um, even films that aren't horror films like Zulu, you know, cause you, you've got these soldiers that are being basically surrounded. So it feels a bit like Zulu. Um, and it's got some elements of aliens to it as well. Yeah, I'd say it's got some elements of War of the Worlds to it as well. Yeah. Like that desperate feeling of hiding in the dark, crouching from invaders, uh, very reminiscent of, of stuff like War of the Worlds. Yeah, yeah and it, it feels kind of hopeless. Yeah, it just takes place over a couple of nights. And yeah. it's it's not a long film to watch either. It, it's great for Halloween parties and stuff like that because you can put it on and it doesn't take up the whole evening, uh, but it it's got some good scares in it, which is just brilliant. Um, but it didn't win any awards, as far as I can yeah. tell, because, uh, like I say, I think literally because of its reception in the US was so poor. It's sad, isn't it? That that, like you said, you can re- you can have a really good movie by a unique, talented individual like Neil Marshall, who wrote and directed the film. Uh, yeah. He went on to do some really good films as well, but that was his big debut, and you think. Yeah, well, how did they... Like, you kill a movie, don't you? You put it onto straight-to-DVT, it just ends up one of those bargain bins in Hot Fuzz in yeah. the supermarket. And and it's sad because, like you said, this is one of those movies that, for sure, and I completely agree with everything you've said, <clears throat> if you go back and look at classic horror, in particular the... the, the um, if we're going back to the realm of werewolves and werewolf movies, this one really does stand out, and it stands up really well. And mm. I think the nature of the way it's shot, the close shots, the claustrophobic nature of it, makes it scarier. So yeah. it works in that way. Like, uh, if anyone's listened to this that's seen 28 Days Later, I think Neil Marshall had drawn a lot of inspiration from that as well. But in 28 Days Later, there's a whole scene at the end where they're surrounded by zombies in a house, and you don't know who's in the house and who isn't. And that's pretty much what this does at the end of the Dog Soldiers. And... Yeah, it works really well. I think those kind of horror films work really well for me. I think that's really good. I think it's a great a great choice. And I think it's a absolute travesty, James, that it didn't win some sort of Academy Award or BAFTA. <laughs> I mean, it should have won a BAFTA or an award for like creative yeah. management of money, at the very least. I was reading yeah. the history of it, and apparently they were originally going to film it in the Isle of Man for tax reasons. That fell through. <laughs> so they ended up filming it in Luxembourg for tax reasons. <laughs> so they got some sort of kickback from the Luxembourg film uh, industry, so they make you know they made it on a shoestring budget, and it's mm. still good for it's still a great film. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I um, 
I hope that my film can uh, live up to the standard. We'll go through the honourable mentions at the end once I've given yeah. mine. Mine is not... I don't know whether I would say it's as much a horror movie. It's definitely got an element of horror to it. Um, yeah. It's also a comedy. It also draws back to the things that we talked about earlier, which my great love of the genre is mixing horror and awful, squeamish, creepy things with comedy. That always worked really well for me. And um, I feel like had I ever become a filmmaker, that's probably where I'd go. I'd mix (laughs) the most awful and terrifying things, but try to bring some lighthearted humor to it. Because I think it, it kind of, I don't know. I feel it's like sweet and sour. It kind of complements it really nicely. Yeah. And because I can't do Ghostbusters, uh, because we did it last time on the, I think two years ago in the podcast, I'm going with another, <laughs> I'm going with another Ivan Reitman film, which I have recently sort of found out through friends and, and people that I work with and that you work with. It's become quite a cult classic and people really love it. And the film is Evolution. Oh, I, yeah. It's, Good choice. It's another film. I think your film was from 2002. This was 2001, so a good 20 years ago. But it's so ridiculous and it's so out there. But I feel like if you, you know, if you want to watch something that's a little bit creepy on Halloween, you've had loads of sweets and you also think, well, I don't want to be terrified out of my wits. Or let's say you have just watched Dog Soldiers and you have been scared shitless. (laughs) You can complement that with watching Evolution, which is just a ridiculous movie about a bunch of scientists who probably shouldn't be scientists um, and a man who's trying to become a firefighter uh, who witnessed a meteorite hit the desert in America. Yeah, and inside the meteorite uh, is a bunch of organisms, and they are like single-cell amoebas. And very quickly, thanks to the uh, Earth's atmosphere, they gradually start to evolve. But they evolve at a much more rapid rate than do uh, things on this planet. So they kind of happen over like a course of a week, and uh, mayhem ensues, and the world is coming to an end because of these alien invaders that have piggybacked on this asteroid. I mean, it sounds ludicrous, and it is ludicrous, but I just love it, James. I I can't get enough of this film. I've now got this image of you at Halloween. You've barricaded the door shut. No trick-or-treaters are getting sweets because you've scoffed them all watching Evolution. That's true. And I literally, kids knock at the door, and I just throw things at them. (laughs) (laughs) Go away, I'm watching Evolution. Uh, What I do want to play for anyone that... I don't really care if you have or haven't seen it, really. I just think it's funny. I'm going to play you one of my favourite bits from the movie, uh, which I can only play a tiny bit because of copyright reasons. But um, this is a a bit where Sean William Scott, the um, amazing Sean William Scott, who's in American Pie, in one of his great roles as the... uh, as the moron who was trying, who discovers the asteroid at the beginning of the movie. Uh, I'll just play the clip. Oh, here we go. Sorry. They're just trying to find the giant flying alien bird in the shopping mall. Established that caca, caca, and tuki, tuki don't work. 
<laughs> I just think it's great. It's such, it's such a good film. Um, that's Orlando Jones, uh, who plays one of the fellow um, scientists, along with David Duchovny. Um, it's got kind of... And I know it never really amounted to anything... The third act does leave a bit to be desired. I mean, it is ridiculous. Yeah. But as a whole thing, when you go back and watch this film and you think this was made in 2001, it kind of has a little bit of your Edgar Wright hot fuzz humour to it. You know, uh, you're showing the dead humour. Yeah. It's got a bit of the Ghostbusters humour, which is with the scientists and with the sarcasm. Um And it's not quite the level of Ghostbusters, but it's totally different. Dan Aykroyd yeah. does cameo in it, um, and there's some great people in the film as well, but it's just the most stupid, ridiculous, bumbling, um, r- crazy film about aliens invading the world through the comedy prism. And I just think it's unique. I think it's a really unique movie to itself, and oh, it never definitely. really amounted to anything, and I wish it had. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's a, that's a great pick. It, it th- This is going to sound... Maybe a tad disparaging, but it's not meant to be. It's actually a positive in some ways yeah. about the film. Because I think this film is the at the tier where you'd say, oh, it's not it's not a top tier film, for example, mm. but it's a it's an enjoyable watch. It's got some brilliant moments in it. And it's sort of that era's equivalent to where as now we would get a film like Pixels. Yeah. And that isn't a great film. It has nothing enjoyable in it. <laughs> it just seems like that the, the, that sort of level of film doesn't get made anymore in the same way that Evolution does. It, it, it's only ever a cash grab, whereas uh, Evolution was like a cash grab, but with some love involved. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly how I'd describe it. It was very much up there with... Um... Like your, it was like a mixture between Ghostbusters, X Files, and Road Trip. <laughs> yeah, all of those films around the eighties and nineties, and you're like, "What the hell is this film?" But it's so silly and so enjoyable, and it goes in such a weird direction at the end, anyway. That I just think, yeah, I'm having it. <laughs> I'm yeah. having it, and I often I, go I back to it. It's got a massive cult following now as well of people who are around our age in their late twenties or, or late thirties who who kind of go, "Yeah, this." This is really good. I remember that film. I really enjoyed it. And lots of people slated it. But actually, I went back and watched it when I was uh, a bit older. And I thought it was really funny. And I thought, and it's like, yeah, everyone has that experience where they thought, what the hell is this? They went yeah. back and watched it older once they've been exposed, like you said, to so many throwaway movies in the last 20, 30 years. You go back and watch Evolution. You're like, ah, oh, this is actually quite funny. And I like it. Yeah. It works. It works as yeah. a comedy. It, um, I think it probably suffered from like bad marketing at the time because... Yeah, everyone was making those Ghostbuster comparisons, and and they're not fair because Ghostbusters was like a, you know, a flash of lightning. Even they didn't really recapture it twice. No, they never did. Uh, they they even didn't do it with the new one. And we were talking about the new one yeah. the other day uh, at work with a couple of people who've just seen it recently, and it's got some nice moments, and it's quite cute, and it's quite a nice homage to the original. But it's not Ghostbusters. It doesn't have yeah. anything on the original. It hasn't got the soul or the the humour or it hasn't got the integrity of that movie. And I think yeah. that kind of lightning in the bottle stuff that we talk about a lot with movies, it's about your director, your writer, your actors, and the time and place in which that film is both shot and, and it comes out. And if all yeah. those things align properly you can have a real hit on your hands. But like you said, sometimes those things, Jake? maybe two of those things don't align properly and you get a flop. Jake, I think I've lost you. Hello? 
Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. It might be my uh, microphone um, on my headphones. But you d- that definitely recorded. <laughs> so oh, that's fine. That's I've not cool. lost the audio. <laughs> that's um, good. Yeah, really like it. And yeah. do you want to talk about your honourable mentions before we uh, finish up? Yeah, so I've just got one honourable mention, uh, and I don't know if it's that honourable. <laughs> it was uh, a film I discovered uh, through really misunderstanding the brief of the episode. <laughs> so, <laughs> viewers, please forgive me, but I am about to introduce you to the wonders of Zombievers. <laughs> <laughs> right, now you need to explain it to me and to the listeners what the hell Zombievers is. Okay, so Zombievers is, is a it's a horror comedy film, um, a, a, a bit like the, um, you, you know, when they would do spoofs of, like, the Scream movies, you know, the scary like movies. Like scary movies, yeah. Yeah. This is, on, on a similar level, as far as I can tell, um, it, it takes influences from films like Cabin in the Woods, but instead of lots and lots of different monsters, uh, there's just one, or well, several, but of the same type, and they are they are beavers, who um, <laughs> are Sorry, turned into. I'm, I'm really struggling with this one. <laughs> <laughs> there are beavers who are turned oh. into zombies through the misadventures of Bill Burr and John Mayer. <laughs> Who play truck drivers in this no. film? <laughs> who who tip toxic waste into this uh, ravine and create the zombievers who then attack a bunch of randy teenagers who are staying in a cabin. Uh, it you know how it, hard it was for you to just describe <laughs> that to us and to me. And you're going out on the mar- on the limb and trying to defend it. You couldn't even explain it yourself. It it is it is good. Apparently, it's funny. Some oh, would God. say, um, but I I I like it mainly because it's John Mayer's acting debut. When was it made? Um, it it was made in two thousand fourteen. Oh God, it wasn't that long ago then. No, no, it's it it runs for an hour and seventeen minutes. So it's not a long film. You 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 have to sit through a uh, a lot of film. It's directed by Jordan Rubin. Can I just stop uh, you there, James? You've said to me and the listeners tonight three times, I think. Don't worry, it's not that long. <laughs> you can get through it in an hour and a half. <laughs> like um, that's not good, mate. That's not a justification for a film. Well, what's wrong? Was it all right? Well, it wasn't long. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty short. It's got Bill Burr in it. What more oh, do you want? Oh God! Okay. It's got Bill Burr in it, and uh, I liked the. You know, when you're on IMDb and uh, you're looking at things, and it, it's got uh, mm. tags that you you know it, you can click on, and it'll take you to other films that include those tags. Mm. I would love to know what films come up with the tags Beaver, Cabin, Topless Sunbathing, Beaver Attack, and Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh god, I'd like Bill Burr. I'll give him that. He's a cool actor. Um, he's a, he's a cool actor. Um, I I think it is. Um, it even gives the Backstreet Boys a cast credit for playing the Zombiever Bear. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I think it's well worth a watch. If you want to see a film that stars John Mayer, Bill Burr, 
and the Backstreet Boys in a film about zombie beavers. This is definitely a film that does that. Yeah, I mean, you definitely sold it to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love how you started out with Zodiac and we ended up at Zombievers. <laughs> hey, I, I'm alphabetically consistent. You are, you are. I, I don't know if I'll watch that this Halloween, but I might do just for you. Is it available, I, James? Can, can I, do I have to pay for it? <laughs> can I just, <laughs> will I, if I go through a bin outside HMV, will I find it? Uh, possibly. I mean, you might even catch the Zombiever virus if you do that. So, you know, you might be I able don't to do live that. it. You know what was really weird? While you were saying Zombievers and you were giving us a plot description, all yeah. I could think about, and it's a really grown-up thing, isn't it, when you realise you've like grown into full adulthood. I was thinking to myself, oh, I've watched a documentary where they reintroduced beavers to Great Britain. Have <laughs> 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 I got to worry about this? Oh, no. Uh, well, do you want to know something really upsetting, though, Jake? Go on. This gets a 4.8 out of 10 to IMDb. That's only two stars less than the Zodiac got. That's mad, isn't it? It, It's it's upsetting, right? That a (laughs) film about zombie beavers um, gets just two... No, it's even less than that. It's even less than that. It's about a star different. I'm upset now. That is quite I feel like I've let let everybody down and... all I can say is, if you watch the Zodiac and Dog Soldiers, you'll have a really great Halloween. And if you didn't want to have a very good Halloween, well, you could always watch some beavers and think that you've, um, you know, at least you've supported a small independent filmmaker who wanted to really pour his heart and soul into a film about randy teenagers and zombie beavers see i've just got a problem with the title i don't i don't think zombievers works i think it's do you know what it is it's one of them things in it where someone's come up with a title first and then they've tried to make it work through the well, idea of writing some sort of convoluted script about teenagers getting their tits out and paddleboarding and getting eaten by beavers i i really should have used this as a jumping off point because there's there's a, a apparently a whole series of films that are very very similar, and um, there there's a a film called Thanks Killing, about a really violent turkey. Um, <laughs> right, <laughs> Thanks Killing. You yeah. see, that's a pun. That's not even punning on anything. It doesn't even work. It's not. You can't have it. It's not, oh, I've had enough. Thanks, Killing. <laughs> but a film that is genuinely good and kind of funny is one called Black Sheep. Oh, I think I know it, that one. Yeah, so that that's a film. It's uh, set in New Zealand, I believe. Uh, so Black Sheep is uh, one of the films that's linked to uh, Zombievers. Um, and uh, it, it doesn't score that much higher, actually, but I have seen Black Sheep and enjoyed it greatly. I've just... Oh, God. I just Googled Thanks Killing. Um, <laughs> I I um, absolutely... Honestly, if anyone's listening to this now, go on to Google and Google Thanks Killing, all one word. You will not... Honestly, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. So it lo- the, the creature on the front looks like the Skeksis from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> yes. Um, it says, Thanks Killing, starring Turkey. And then it says, Gobble, gobble, gobble. And then at the top is just a little warning that says, Boobs in the first second of this film. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, dear. and the the IMDb description is uh, a homicidal turkey axes off college kids during Thanksgiving break. I'm going to watch that. You see, screw the beavers. I'm watching Thanks. I'm, I can't even say it. I can't even get it out. I'm watching Thanks Killing. Um, and the, another tagline that says, gobble, gobble, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Right, I'm going to give you my... my I, I don't even think I can add anything to this episode. It's not going to redeem it. It's, a, it's not going to be any good. But my honourable mentions, I was going to go with Signs of the Lambs because it won... It won Best Picture when I was born, when I was in 91, where I was born. Um, and obviously it was, a, it was a thriller that received critical acclaim um, throughout the years. Yeah. And, and it won the Academy Award for Best Picture, which I think is one of the few films of the, of the genre, the thriller genre, yeah. to really capture people. And, and like you say, make um, and turn and turn the heads of the industry and go, oh, actually, they're making some really good stuff in that in that category. And Science Lambs is also kind of a horror film, but it's it's more of a whodunit thriller, uh, cop yeah. thriller. It's, you know, it's Julianne, not Julianne Moore. Oh, I nearly said Julianne Moore. She was in the sequel. Uh, <laughs> it's Jodie Foster. Um, yes. <clears throat> but anyway, no, that was my honourable mention. My other one, which is really weird, um, now I think about it, are and you I, sure? Because I've just told you about Thanks Killing and Zombievers, so I'm not sure really weird cuts it for any of your suggestions. Anyway, my other honourable mention was um, another British horror film, which apparently has something akin to your Neil Marshall uh, Dog Soldiers, which was Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Um, I uh, There's a remake that's just been released, apparently. I've not seen it yet. and uh, It's on my list. But me and Natalie did go back and watch the original Hellraiser. Again, I watched it when I was very young. I think it was on VHS uh, and dug it out thinking, oh, this looks cool. And it's a very creepy film. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, very creepy film. <clears throat> it's one of those films where you kind of... It would never, ever be released now. No. Not in the way it... Everything about it is kind of wrong, and I don't. It's hard to describe that without giving stuff away, isn't it? It's yeah. Um, so it's a it's a horror film in its purest form. It is about sadomasochism and demons, which are summoned to both give pleasure and pain to a person who opens their magical box and releases them. And when you're a kid and you watch it, I think that falls by the wayside. <laughs> but when you yeah, watch it you as an adult, get the most out of it as a kid. No, when you watch it as a as a grown up, you're like, oh, this is really messed up. And yeah. as me and my wife discovered, it's an incredibly rapey film. <laughs> it's not yeah. nice. Uh, it sort of centres around a man who opens this puzzle box, and he. Uh, is basically um, hooked up to a load of things, sexually assaulted, and then murdered by a bunch of demons from another world. Uh, these demons have got pins stuck in them, and they've got like weird teeth, and they're all really messed up. And the and then you kind of you find out through the movie that the um, the man who is destroyed by these demons uh, actually had an affair with his brother's wife under his brother's nose, and kind of then uses her and he comes back from the dead and uses this this woman uh, his brother's wife as a way of helping him to regain human form by brutally murdering and assaulting uh, various people and then he feeds off their blood to become more human it is so messed up but um but yeah, yeah if you're after something that you're like you've never seen it before you want something that's really 
80s messed up horror. Uh, I think Hellraiser is a good one. I think it really does. It kind of does what it says on the tin. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if you if you've watched all like the uh, the Halloween films, you know, uh, if you've watched the the classics of slasher horror films, but you've not seen Hellraiser, you definitely need to watch Hellraiser. Maybe mm. skip all the sequels because they're not as good. They're not good at all, are they? No. <laughs> But um, um, yeah, but yeah, I think um, a- any any film where the main antagonist is called Pinhead, yeah, <laughs> and it's all <laughs> about people who open this box looking for. Uh, it's basically about demons and angels and sexual gratification, and yeah. then the demons don't know when to stop. So that's where the sort of sadism and sadomasochism comes into play. But again, when I was a kid and I said this to you earlier, I just never got that side of it when I was little. And then yeah. when you watch it as an adult, you're like, oh yeah, this is a really messed up thing. And it hasn't aged well either with all of its references and sexism and its treatment towards women and the way the men talk about stuff. Like there's kind of nothing good in it. I gave Hellraiser a mention because I was going to watch it. Um, I was going to nominate it as my choice, but then I thought, actually, no. It probably doesn't deserve anything like an award or anything like that, but it's definitely worth a watch. And the new one, I've seen some clips of the new one that looks fairly similar to the original one and pretty messed up, although Pinhead is played by a woman, apparently, and she's really scary looking. Um, But yeah, I liked... liked, There's something about it where I'm like, it's so uncomfortable to watch, and that's exactly what a Halloween film should be. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a creepy, creepy film. Yeah, very creepy. And there's a new one, so hey, watch the new one and tell me if it's any good, because I probably won't watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that was it. That's our Halloween special. I think we've covered a lot of bases. We've had Academy Award-winning killing films. We've had killer turkeys. Uh, We've covered all bases, I think, today. I think we have. We've Yeah, I mean, what more can you want? We've gone from... basically award-winning films all the way down to Killer Turkeys. <clears throat> There's something for everyone on Do The Franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What do you want? Sadism? Got it. What do you want? Turkeys? Got it. Killer beavers? We've got them. Werewolves? We've got, we've got two. <laughs> we've got, yeah, we've got loads of werewolves. Got a whole family of them. Living I in, loved it. Living in Scotland based in Luxembourg. <laughs> <laughs> right, I am going to end this episode. We're going to finish up and we will be... Whoops, that's me going mad. Sorry about that. That was Pinhead selling me mayonnaise. Uh, that was literally just IMDb playing a Heinz mayonnaise advert. Uh, oh, God. So, yes, we'll be back with our continuation of Alien and um, we'll finish that off before the end of the year and then we'll start a new franchise probably around Christmas time, I reckon. Um, Sounds like a plan. Yeah, I think so. And we'll get our Christmas special together once we've edited this Halloween special and we'll uh, see if anyone actually wants a Christmas special this year. We'll do a different take this year. We'll, we'll do something different. I've got I'm some desperate ideas. to get Christmas beavers into the next one. Christmas beavers. Yeah. Done. Done deal. And Christmas turkeys, which d- does work. Yeah, that, that is better. That's better thank- oh, Thanks Killing's a little bit like one of those films where you're like, Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it a Halloween film or is it a Christmas film? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess it's a Thanksgiving film, technically. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's love. I love just how much we've gone off the track again on this one. Right. I will see you soon, James. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we will um, bring you some more stuff next week. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. See you later, James. Bye. Bye.